Father, as every week, we desire to sit at your feet and learn from you. But especially this week, we would ask that your Holy Spirit would fill us full of wisdom. Not just the knowledge of your word, but how to apply it. And Lord, help us to be faithful in mulling over these things that are in our future. And help us to effectively, as Pat was communicating, Lord, to communicate it to others and not just keep it to ourselves. It may be life-changing even for us. May we take another account of our own lives and consider where we are and if that's the place you would have us be. So instruct us, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I told you last week I was going to go over this again just to make sure it's solidified in your mind, and that's the timeline We're currently in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, and we're going through the timeline of the end times that Jesus was talking to his disciples about. When will these things happen? The destruction of the temple, what will be the sign of the end of the age, and the sign of his coming back to earth. And remember, it was in 70 AD that the temple was destroyed. Once the temple was destroyed, the things that had to take place in that little parenthetical thought were the birth pangs. Once the birth pangs happen... Then it's the rapture. After the rapture, then it's the Gog and Magog at Ezekiel 38 and 39 that we went through last week. After that is the first half of the tribulation period where the seals begin to be broken in the book of Revelation. And in the middle of that, you have the abomination which makes desolate, as spoken of by the prophet Daniel, where the Antichrist comes and sets himself up as God. Then from that three-and-a-half-year period, inside the middle of the seven-year period, the Great Tribulation starts. Once the Great Tribulation happens, then you have the trumpet judgments and you have the bowl judgments. Once that takes place, then you have the Battle of Armageddon. Once the Battle of Armageddon gets underway, then Jesus Christ comes back. He sets up his rule and his reign for a thousand years here on earth. The... uh, uh, Antichrist is bound, Satan is bound, and after that thousand years is over, Satan is released for a small period of time. Again, we don't know how long, probably years, a few years. And then he also gets an army up to attack Jesus Christ in Jerusalem again, and Jesus destroys them, destroys the entire universe, including the earth that we're on. Everything goes away. The great white throne judgment happens, and after that, the new heavens and the new earth are established and we will live in the city of New Jerusalem which comes down from heaven. So that's the timeline. That's the truncated timeline that we're dealing with. And I uh, went over last time the birth pangs. Of course, we know that wars and rumors of wars will happen, famines, earthquakes, pestilence, fearful events, great signs from heaven. And these are, of course, the beginning of birth pangs. The countries that we talked about last time were Magog, which is Russia, Persia, which is Iran, Cush, the area of east of Egypt, which is Libya, and Put, Ethiopia, Algeria. And some say, well, Libya is part of Put. Uh, Beth Degarma, which is Armenia, and Gomer, Asia Minor, and Turkey. So those are the countries that are involved. And I put up that map last time, and you could see how they're all surrounding Israel. And they'll just come down, and they'll try to make sports or take a spoil in Israel. 
Now with this, we have this individual, and I want you to be aware of who this individual is. It's the Antichrist. We're going to go through the Antichrist, about 10 things concerning the Antichrist, and so we can recognize who the Antichrist is. Not that we're going to be here to see him, but the spirit of Antichrist as well. So there is an individual who is called the Antichrist who is possessed by Satan himself during this tribulation period, and he sets himself up as God and desires to be worshipped as such. And anybody who does not worship him will lose their head over it. And that's Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, and also in Revelation chapter 7. It talks about those who have been beheaded for their faith in Jesus Christ during this time. After we go through the Antichrist, we're going to get into the seals and the trumpets and the bowls. I'm just going to give you a brief description of some of those. I'll probably read through the bowls at the end, but we just want to make sure we understand in that seven-year tribulation period what's going to happen. And all of this is so that when we go back to Matthew chapter 24, beginning in about verse 9, you'll have understanding going through there because if you just read it on its face, you go, Wow, this seems kind of confusing. I really don't have a context in which to put this. And so that's why we're going back to it. And also Matthew chapter 25. Now, that's the Gospel of Matthew that deals with the end times. Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 21, Ezekiel 38 and 39, also the uh, book of Daniel, and the minor prophets. They all talk about this period of time. Now, going on. The Antichrist. When we look at the Antichrist, you have to go to different books in the Bible, and it's like taking those puzzle pieces and putting those puzzle pieces together. But to define the term Antichrist, it simply means against Christ. So everything that Christ is for, the Antichrist is against. Whatever God calls good, the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist calls bad or wicked, or evil, or extreme, that type of thing. And, and we can see that around us just in our society all the time. He is going to be a proud and boastful king in Daniel chapter 7. He's going to be oppressing the Jews, and he tries to change the set times and the laws in verse 25 of Daniel chapter 7. And he makes a seven-year covenant with the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is going to receive him kind of like a great politician, almost even like a Messiah figure when he comes in because he's going to allow them to rebuild their temple. And I don't want to go too much into the temple process. They're ready to build it. Right now, if they got the go-ahead tomorrow, they would start. They have everything ready to go. The priests have been trained. The garments have been sewn. The implements for the sacrifices have been made. Every, they got the red heifer, and they've had several generations now of red heifers ready to go, and that's what's used to purify the Temple Mount area. And, and so all of that is ready. If you go to Israel, you get a chance to go there, go to the Temple Institute, and they'll tell you all about it and how they're ready to go. They, they put in a, well, when I went, it was a videotape. They put in a videotape, and they showed you everything. And the big question, you saw this rabbi, and he was sitting or standing in this video, and he was asked the question, well, if you have the temple, where's the Ark of the Covenant? You need the Ark of the Covenant for the temple. 
And what he said was this. He looked just very slyly at the interviewer and he says, anybody who's anybody knows where the Ark of the Covenant is. And you should, really? So they, they kind of know where everything is. They're set to go. So it's pretty exciting that the days that we're living in, we're seeing this come to fruition. Now, there are many Antichrists, but there is one or the Antichrist that will come. In First John chapter 2, verse 18, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming. So now many Antichrists have come, therefore we know that it is the last hour. So anybody that comes in the spirit of Antichrist, we know we're living in the last hour. That's evidence for that. He is also called the man of lawlessness. This would be my first point here. In Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, concerning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy, report, or letter supposed to have come from us saying that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. Now, there's a ton in just these verses right here. But there's going to be an apostasy, a falling away from the faith, a huge falling away from the faith. And I believe this takes place uh, during the time of the rapture that people, they just walk away from God. They decide that, well, there is no God. But back in the time that Paul wrote this to the Thessalonians, they had either received a letter that was supposed to have come from the Apostle Paul or word of mouth by some other leader in the church that said, no, the day of the Lord has already come. And they thought they had missed it. And so that's why in chapter 4, verses about 13 through 18, he goes through the rapture again. He goes, see, I told you this when I was with you. Don't let anybody deceive you. And he talks about the body being translated, transformed from this earth to meet the Lord in the air. Because they also had a question, well, if the day of the Lord has already come, or if it hasn't come, what happens to the people who are in the grave still? They've missed it. And he goes, no, don't worry about it. The dead in Christ will rise first, then we who remain will be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. So he goes through a big definition again, what it's all about. And he also reiterates in First Thessalonians that it's because of the wrath of God that this is going to happen. The believers are taken out and the world is then under the wrath of God and the wrath of Satan. And, of course, the individuals are going to be killing each other back and forth, so that's an added uh, part to the tribulation period. Secondly, he sets himself up as Messiah and God. Now, we read this before, but I'm going to read it again. Matthew 24, verse 5 says, Many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. Mark 13, verse 6 also says, many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many, many astray. Now, I have a problem. It's my own personal problem with this translation, both here and in Luke chapter 21, verse 8. I'm going to read it in 21, verse 8 in Luke. It says, he replied, watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. This phrase, I am he is in most translations, 
the English translations that we have. But not all. There's a few that don't have it like this. Because when these false Christs come up and they, they try to instruct people and draw people unto themselves, they say, I am. They don't say, I am he. If you look it up in the original Greek, he is not there. The male pronoun, he, is not there. And so when you would read it, it said, many will come in my name saying, I am, and they will lead many astray. To read it like that, it's like disjointed. Well, it doesn't really make sense unless you understand what I am means. I am does not mean he was or he will be. He is, and there's no time in it at all. There's no, it, it's not dealing with time. We always talk in relation to time and a linear existence. God does not exist like that. That's why Moses in the burning bush, he said, well, who am I supposed to say sent me? What is your name? And he says, I am that I am. I'm not was. I'm not the will be. I am. So time is something that we dwell in. God does not dwell in time. God made time for us. He doesn't need time. It's a physical property of this universe. Einstein figured out how it could be warped a little bit. Gravity, great masses of of the, the solar system and also in the space, they can warp the time which is out there. That's why everybody has these discussions about time travel and all that. Can you make it flip back on itself? That's just way beyond me. But it's this idea, time is a physical property, and God is outside of time. The Antichrist that show up claim to be this one who is outside of time by saying, I am. So you can make that distinction. You could probably put a little note in your Bible in Mark chapter 13, verse 6, and Luke chapter 21, verse 8, that he is not in the original language. Then Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. He will oppose and exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember when I was with you? I used to tell you these things and now you know what is holding him back so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so Till he is taken out of the way, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. And so the one who is keeping him from being revealed is the Holy Spirit who lives in the body of believers. Each one of us has the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. When we are taken in the rapture, there's no societal restraint. And then the Antichrist will come in. Those people who are left behind will hopefully remember what you told them about the end times. And they'll say, you know, you told me. They'll, they'll say, you told me about this stuff that was going to happen and now all these people are gone. And who is this guy, the friend of Israel that makes this treaty? And it is all coming to fruition And that's our job, is to pass this information on. So we know that the Holy Spirit will be taken out of the way. And by the way, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit leaves. It's just that the societal influence that we press on all of society around the world, that influence will be gone. The Holy Spirit will still be here. 
And he will also lead people into salvation during the tribulation period, 144,000 in the book of Revelation, chapter 7, also chapter 14. It talks about those who are going to be witnesses, and people will be martyred during the tribulation period. And so there are going to be probably millions of believers, people who will come to Christ that didn't go in the rapture. And of course, uh, as I said previously in Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, they will be beheaded for their faith if they are caught. Now, there are some that are going to survive through the whole thing, and I would not want to be those people that have to go through the tribulation, as we will see when we go through the seals, the trumpets, and the bowls. Thirdly, this Antichrist will perform signs, wonders, and miracles. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing they perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved for this reason god sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth but have delighted in wickedness there's a lot of speculation as to what this delusion is going to be I have no idea if I had to guess something. Maybe it's aliens that come down. Who, who knows? But it's not aliens. They're probably demons of some kind. And, and other people make up other stories. I, I have no idea. I wish I kind of knew what that delusion would be because I'd pass it on to others. Say, hey, if you're going to stick around here, here's a delusion that's coming. But most everyone is going to be deceived because of that also because of the signs wonders and miracles somebody shows up and calls fires down from heaven you're going to say well that's quite a trick how did you do that or wonders you know what kind of natural wonders parting the red sea or parting mission bay or you know whatever it might be out there if somebody does something like that you go oh that's some fancy stuff you got going on there and you would start to listen to what they had to say so it's going to be powerful but those who believe are not going to be deceived because they have it written right here in the gospel or in the letter of Thessalonians. So false signs and wonders. Also, Mark chapter 13, verse 22, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. So those who are saved, who are here, will not be deceived. It's impossible for them to be deceived because they will have the spirit of Christ in them. Now, fourthly, this Antichrist speaks against God and persecutes believers. He is an atheist. He doesn't believe in the one true God. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25 says, He will speak against the Most High and oppress the saints. And by the way, he will be given power over the saints to kill them. Uh, scripture points that out clearly. He denies the Father and the Son. First John chapter 2, verse 22 tells us about this. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. Also, First John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone into the world. By this you will know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, 
which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. So some churches that are out there that are becoming very liberal, if they end up saying something like, well, you know, Jesus is just one of many prophets that have come in the past, that is the spirit of Antichrist. Because Jesus is the Christ, he is the Son of God, he is the second person of the Trinity. If his position is diminished in any way, that is the spirit of Antichrist. Many people, scholars throughout history, have said, well, he's a good teacher, or he was maybe even a prophet, but he certainly wasn't God. And you know right away, when somebody says that, spirit of Antichrist. Uh, So he denies the Father and the Son. He does not acknowledge Jesus. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. I think I just read this, but I'll do it again. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you will know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. And Second John chapter 1, verse 7. For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. So anyone who says Jesus was never, he's not God, he didn't transform himself into 100% man, 100% God, living here in the body, he didn't do that. Anybody who says that, any scholar, any professor, any PhD, anyone That is the spirit of Antichrist, and you can recognize it right away. Now, with that, let's transfer this. By the way, when we read the scripture, we want to transfer it into our culture and our existence. Now, is there anyone who says there is not God in our culture? Well, the obvious answer is yes, there is. Well, what about the leaders? Do the leaders say there is no God? 9-11. Remember the question that uh, uh, Billy Graham's daughter, uh, Ruth? Am Grand Lots. Yes, that's it. Am Grand Lots. She was asked the question, so where was God? And she was reservedly outraged, but she said, I'm going to add my own words to this. Really? You get God out of the schools, you take prayer out, and you ask where God is? And so that is the spirit of Antichrist. Whether it's the teachers' unions saying you can't have a Bible at your desk as a teacher inside the public schools, that is the spirit of Antichrist. Well, what about in 2012 if one particular political party decides to take out God from their platform? Is that the spirit of Antichrist? You bet it is. Well, what if the committees that now bring people, powerful committees that bring people to Washington, they normally would have them place their hand in the Bible and say, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you, God. Well, we're going to remove that. So help you, God. They're actively taking God out of those in our government. That was in January, by the way, that just took place. And so that is the spirit of Antichrist. All you have to do is look to the leaders of the country, those who profess that there is a God, that say Jesus Christ is real, he's the Messiah. That is by the spirit of Christ. 
But if they say, there is no God, we're removing God, that is the spirit of Antichrist. And you can recognize it right away. So you have Hollywood, you have the universities that will ridicule anybody that shows up on the campus. I love these people that go onto campuses and they either share their testimonies or they talk to people about the existence of God. Ravi Zacharias is one in his ministry that brings in several different people. Uh, and, and when that happens, those people going on those campuses, they get ridiculed, sometimes they get attacked, but that is the spirit of Antichrist. And that is becoming pervasive in our world. And we just want to be able to recognize that, in fact, it is there. Now, this Antichrist will also make his own laws, as I previously said, Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, and it says, he will try to change the set times and laws. The saints will be handed over for a time, or to him, for a time, times, and half a time. That is three and a half years. So the things that we observe, he's going to change those. Now, what things as a culture do we observe? As a culture, even worldwide, what things do we point to and go, oh, that's a hallmark of the human race? The sanctity of sanctity of life. Well, I'm talking about like observances. Christmas, Thanksgiving, New Year's. All of these things that we recognize, and by the way, these are worldwide. You know, Halloween is going almost worldwide too. But he's going to change those, these set times. When you talk about set times, if you pull out any paper calendar, there's going to be set times on those calendars that we recognize. He's going to change all of those. Now, there's not going to be a lot of Christians around. Well, Christians will get saved. They will be saved during the tribulation period. But the majority of Christians have vacated the planet Earth. And so those things that we hold sacred, like Easter, that is a worldwide observance for those who are Christians. Same thing with Christmas. And, you know, there are holidays that other religions recognize as well. The Jews do. He's going to change or attempt to change all of those. I believe he will be given the power to do so. Number six. He is the rider on the white horse in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 1. It says, I watched, and as the Lamb opened the first of seven seals, then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, Come, I looked, and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow, and he was given a crown, and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. Now, some people will say, no, that's Jesus. He's going to rule over the world, and that's not who this is. This is the breaking of the first seal. Jesus breaks the first seal, and this guy comes forward. And so he's going to be, as I've previously stated, a political world ruler that turns into a militaristic political world ruler when it gets to the middle of the tribulation period. And he believes himself... As God, And so you put all that together, a political leader, leader, a military leader, and he thinks he's God. The guy is completely deceived, whoever this guy is. And I also believe that, that God has had in every generation somebody ready to go that could be the Antichrist. Because there's, if you go back to Antiochus Epiphanes back in 168 uh, B.C., 
when he showed up, you know, he did a lot of things, and we'll discuss him a little bit, a lot of things that would make you think he was the Antichrist, but he didn't fulfill all the things that is talked about here in Scripture. Also, he has everyone take a mark on their right hand or on their forehead for the purposes of economic or commerce, buying and selling. Revelation chapter 13, verses 16 through 17. Also, it causes, it causes, or he causes all, both great and small, both rich and poor, both free and slave, to be marked on the right hand or on the forehead so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of his name. And we can see how we're going like a freight train towards this particular economic system. There are some countries who are starting to go cashless that they do not exchange cash, that it's all going through their bank accounts. Right now, your bank card, is, for some of you at least, is your phone. You're using your phone, you stick it up to Starbucks or wherever you might be, and you get the account debited that you transferred from your bank account into your phone Starbucks account, and the Starbucks reads it, and then you get to get the coffee. Well, there, before too long... It is going to be in the supermarket. You'll go to Walmart and you'll zip that thing up on your debit card, which has been deposited to your Walmart account, and you put that up to the scanner and it's bleeped and you get to walk out. And they're, they're making tremendous inroads. You've heard me talk about the RFIDs that are on every single product. Now, me being in the landscape industry, when I go get parts, I, there's literally hundreds and hundreds of parts that I use in my industry. Every one of them has a barcode. Every, the plastic ones, you go to Home Depot, you look at the plastic PVC fittings, there, fittings, there are a barcode on there. And you walk out and you can scan these things now by yourself. You don't even need somebody there to help you except when the machine breaks and then you have to call somebody over. And so you're, you're debiting everything onto your account and you put your card in and you walk away. Well, pretty soon that is not even going to be necessary in some stores because they have the RFID reader. The RFID, usually they're in coach purses, things like that. You guys have bought a coach purse lately, right, for women in your life? If you walk through the scanner without that thing being um, demagnetized or whatever they do, it will tell them that you're walking out the store with this particular product. And if you had it in a shopping bag and you were already pre-approved at the store, you could just grab it off the shelf and walk out and a voice, probably a little uh, voice box up on the side, will thank you for your purchase today. And you'll just end up walking out and you won't need anyone around. There, I've read things where they're going to start doing inventory like this. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in some of the Walmart stores, they have the uh, the pillars, the, the posts, the metal posts that hold up the roof. And if you walk by them, sometimes you'll see these little scanners or Wi-Fi. Something is on those posts. Well, they're eventually going to have the ability to have their inventory in real time where each one of these RFID-equipped products that they have will be in touch with the Wi-Fi on a constant basis, and every single 
particular product, each product of that line, they'll know where exactly each one is in the store and which ones leave the store at that particular time because you walked out with your cart without checking anything because the scanner you walk through reads everything in your cart and you're pre-approved and it reads you and you just go to your car because you already have your pre-packed bags that the plastic bags are here that they charge you a dime for that replace the paper bags that were going to destroy the forest, but now they grow. I won't even go there. But you guys understand how this could work. And they have the technology to do it now. They just haven't implemented it fully. This is so that cash does not have to change hands. Now, why is that so important that cash does not change hands, that it goes through the banking system? Now, I don't have a PayPal account, but my wife does. My wife has a PayPal account. And, and if you want to give to her, just go ahead. You just write her, you know, however you do it. But, but anyhow, when you have a PayPal account and you probably use that online where money can be transferred back and forth and every transaction is recorded. And if the IRS wants to come along and say, where'd you get this extra money from? Well, why should I tell you? Because you're guilty until proven innocent. You better tell us where this comes from or else we're going to charge you tax on that money. So you better fess up. The black market goes away because you can't buy anything with cash. You'll be able to barter still, but no cash will change hands without the government knowing about it. And if the government has the ability to control your cash, they have the ability to destroy you. And if you don't become compliant, well, let's take China, for instance. They have social credits over there. If you're not operating properly in their social credit system, you may be prohibited from traveling. They may deduct some from your pay if you're not acting according to how they deem necessary. And the Antichrist wants that kind of control over all of us. It is already happening in China. China is using their force, their power, to even affect how much the NBA is making right now. You guys have been following that as well? And so they're manipulating those companies, whether it's Apple, the NBA, or Nike, and the people who are the biggest proponents, the ones who are sponsors of that, they don't want to speak up or they want to help China. And China is just a precursor to the Antichrist. China is in the spirit of Antichrist. So when you see these things on the horizon, it's in our culture, it's here today, but it was talked about thousands of years ago that you cannot buy or sell unless you have a mark. Well, that mark currently would be your debit card or your phone. Forget about the phone. By the way, how old is the iPhone? 11, 12 years? It's hard to believe. 10 or 11 years ago, before that, what was it? Beepers. You had beepers. Or you carried around a phone. I had a Bible. It looked like a Bible, but it was actually a phone. I unzipped it, pulled out the phone, had the cord going to the battery, and I would call like that. We've come so far to this particular point, and when it comes to having the cashless working for us, the government's going to watch us. You probably won't have a phone in the next 10, 15 years. It's going to switch to something else 
like your watch. Well, it's already on my wrist. Well, why don't we just take it from the watch to the wrist, the back of the hand? Whatever that technology is. How about we just tap into the Internet with that thing which is on my wrist and my mind will interface? You know, they're already doing tests on that. Elon Musk, he's asked for volunteers to put chips in the brain so it will interface with the Internet. Boy, do you think they'll know where you are all the time? Now, will this be widespread? I have no idea. But I do know that this cashless society will not work unless everybody is on it. So if you do not have the ability with that mark on your right hand or on your forehead, if you do not have that, you'll starve unless somebody gives you food. And the algorithms that are out there, they'll say, how much food did you buy? Oh, you have the mark, but how much food did you buy? And you can't possibly consume that much food. Who are you giving that food to? And they'll work out all, you know, they're predicting your behavior, what you're going to buy, what you're going to look at on the Internet, where you're going to go, what your entertainment uh, preferences are. All of those things are already being figured out. You're being watched and you're being scrutinized for the sale of things which are out there. So this is the cash of society that we belong to. So you'll get this mark and as you walk out, maybe it'll be a scanner. Maybe it'll be an RFID. And I just saw this little video on they have um, electricity conducting paint. And they're able to paint things like on a wall or in a piece of paper. A guy made a keyboard just by painting it on his piece of paper. And he put a little speaker on there. And so when he'd touch the paint, it would send an electrical current. Well, your body is a powerhouse of power. And so if they had something like that, that they put in a mark on your forehead or on your wrist, on the back of your hand, you could conduct electronic uh, commerce by doing that. It, it's going to be um, some way hooked up to the electronic system, the economic system, which is out there. So this is not far away. It's right there. And we can see it taking place. It, it is happening in our lifetime. So he causes everyone to take a mark. Number eight, he will receive a mortal wound that seem, and seem to be resurrected. Revelation chapter 13 says, And I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten hordes and seven heads, with ten diadems on its horns and blasphemous names on its heads. Now this is dealing with world rulers. I'm not going to go into the interpretation of this too much. And the beast that I saw was like a leopard. Its feet were like a bear's and its mouth was like a lion's mouth. And it was a dragon, or and to it the dragon gave power and his throne and great authority. One of its heads seemed to have a mortal wound, but its mortal wound was healed, and the whole earth marveled as they followed the beast. And so he's going to receive a death wound of some kind to his head, probably an assassination attempt, but then he's going to be raised to life. Who else do you know that died and was raised to life? Jesus Christ. This guy is the Antichrist. He, he's a copycat is what he is, but he's not going to get a resurrected body. He's going to get the same body, and he's going to be raised from the dead by the power of Satan. He will also set up an image of himself to be worshipped. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 4, it talks about those worshipping his image who had not received the mark on their foreheads, those who had been martyred for their faith. And so his image is going to go up. Now, back then, if you were writing this 
the Apostle John, maybe 95 A.D., and you said, an image is going to be put up in the temple. What kind of an image? 3D, holographic, uh, LED. We don't know what it is, but his image is up there. Not him, but an image. And so there's going to be some type of projection, maybe solid, maybe not solid. We don't know, but he is going to set up an image of himself to be worshipped and finally He makes a covenant with Israel. It says, at the same time, he will make a covenant with Israel for three and and one half years in Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And in the middle of that, the man of lawlessness will break his covenant with Israel and stop their sacrifices. And so this is what we know, and this is called the abomination of desolation. And I'll wrap that up. Uh, next week as we uh, continue on with this and we get into the the seals and the trumpets and the bowls. So we need to be aware of who this Antichrist is and what is of the spirit of Antichrist. The great thing about this is we have been redeemed from this system. And when we get into uh, what is going to take place in the book of Revelation and, and with all of those signs that I just told you about, we are so fortunate that we have a loving God that wants to rescue from us or rescue us from that. The only way we get rescued from that is by acknowledging our sin and accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And that's why we receive communion. Now, this morning, we are going to be receiving communion, and as it's being passed out, we'd ask that all of you hold on to it. And we're going to pray over the elements and recognizing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us so that we get to avoid the wrath to come and live with Jesus in heaven for all of eternity. So if we could have those who are going to be passing it out and the worship team come on up, uh, we'll go ahead and get started with the communion portion of our service.